our key verse today. Let us fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners. Again, we have to somehow let our heart grip the fact that God loves us so much. That's why he went to those great lengths to save us. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. That's why he sent Jesus to suffer for us. He was so desperate to have us in the throne room. He was so desperate not to have us go through some other person. He didn't offer us a whole set of works to do. He said, just come as you are. And there's times we drift in and out of our closeness with his, in that fellowship with him. And those times where the enemy beats us down and and tries to suppress us and make us feel like it's too late. Or we go through horrendous, horrific experiences in our life that leave a huge question mark in our soul. Why? If you were God, why did I go through this? I can't explain it. I cannot offer anything except to say whatever, whatever is holding you back from moving into the throne room. Whatever question you have on your heart, God invites that question. God invites you to come in. And obviously there's a deep faith that he's deposited in you to still have a measure of faith even though you may have questions or you may be taken back with whatever keeps you from pressing all the way in. God has an answer for you. God has something that's going to be so much bigger than whatever tries to hinder your walk of faith and hinder what God wants to do in your life. The throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners that we may receive obtain mercy for our failures. Again, it's always about receiving. Once we know a little bit about God, we go into the works mode so easily. Our prayer can even be works. Our striving to be good enough. Our striving to connect with God. When receiving is simply just letting down and without effort being open. And you'll find that God is right there wanting to pour into us that we might obtain mercy for our failures. We are going to fail over and over and over again. But the mercy and grace of God is there for us. The forgiveness and love of God is there for us. In our homes, in our marriages, we're going to blow it with our kids, with people at work. But one thing that will move us a step closer is when we ask for forgiveness, when we validate people, when we've hurt and wronged them then the mercy and the grace and the love of God rushes in and allows us to keep walking in that place of of a tenderness of heart and openness with God, walking in his presence. We find the grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. There's no more avail, no more veil between us God tore that curtain down when Jesus died on the cross. It says the veil in the temple in Matthew 27, 51, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. That thick four-inch curtain that was impossible for man to remove was torn down by God. And and, um, times that follow that, different priests tried to sew sew that curtain back together, but never was successfully sewed back together. Again, God showing that it's not that way anymore. It doesn't have to be by the blood of animals or sin is remembered. And sin was only temporarily blotted out, but every year it was remembered. Jesus Christ 
took away the memory of our sin. You may have torments about your past. If you were to ask God, he'd say, I don't know. Because it says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our sins and our transgressions. Why? He wants unhindered fellowship. He doesn't want to be you to be unfocused when you come to him by a guilty feeling or something you've done from your past. He wants you. He wants you. He longs for you in your busyness, in your frustration, in your worry, and your anxiety. He's saying, come to me. I want you. I have what you need. I'm going to take care of your problems, but I want you. He created us out of his heart. He created us because he wanted something to give to him from a free will, from a free place. And so he wins us day after day by going through our own rebellion and our resistance and our stubbornness. And as we break and as we grow spiritually, we find our heart opening wider and wider and wider. And we're overwhelmed at times at the incredible presence and love of God that overwhelms us, that comes to us sometimes when we are so wrong, when we have such bad attitudes, when we're in such sin. But he breaks through to show us that that is not what matters. What matters is us. In Hebrews 6, 18 through 20, it is impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil, where the forerunners has entered for us, even Jesus having become a high priest forever. This hope we have is in Christ. It comes the moment that God reaches his love out to us and we respond to us. We're deposited a faith that has a hope that generates more faith, that dares to believe that God's going to keep changing things that seem so impossible, that God's going to remove barriers that seem so unsurmountable or unbreachable. That's how God is. That's what he's doing. In Psalms, I want to kind of review a little bit from last week. In Psalms 18.30, we talked about God's way being higher and his thoughts being higher. But Psalms 18.30 says that God's way is perfect and his word is tested and tried. As God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield to those who take refuge and put their trust in him. I brought up that point last week that God allows his people to be tested. God allows his people to go through trials that aren't comfortable, that aren't understandable. But he's working through that trial to build a deeper faith in us but he's also showing the spiritual world of the faith that's already been deposited when we receive Jesus and we begin to walk with him. And though we want to get out of our trials, God is working so much greater than we could even understand through those trials that we go through. I read the scripture last week. I want to read it again. Psalms 104, 16 through 20. 
Moreover, God called for a famine upon the land of Egypt, and he cut off every source of bread, and he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold as a servant. His feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in chains of iron, and his soul entered into iron, until his word to his cruel brothers came true, until the word of the Lord tried and tested him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of his peoples, and let him go free. Are you in a trial? Are you in an extreme test? You want to be out of it? God will take you through that test. You'll be in that test until God finishes what he's trying to do in that test. I hate to say it, but our soul goes through iron a lot of times. We go through difficult things. We go through painful things. And there's no reason for it. And there's a wondering of why we're going through it. But according to what God's word says, he's doing a deep work in us, in our faith. He's testing our faith. Because for us to keep moving and growing spiritually and inheriting all that he has, we must have a strong faith. And and as a body, as a local body, we have to be strong in our faith. We have to be strong individuals, individually with God, strong in our gifts, but then able to work together using our gifts in the body. Then we we become a stronger force than we could ever imagine in our world and in this time of our lives. And so your faith is going to get tested. I think the biggest test people go through in church is whether to stay there. The enemy wants to drive you out. And I tell you, no person can make it with on their own as a Christian. You cannot be what God has you to be alone on your own. Your gift will not sustain itself. Try to send your, your fingers to uh, home, to let them stay home, and you try to go to work without them. It's the same principle. There is something God's trying to restore to the body of Christ in the local church of building up, 1 Corinthians 12, building up the body of Christ, that the body is so built up that it becomes a powerful force in a natural world that is facing spiritual opposition and spiritual enemies. I talked about Peter last week. At the Last Supper in Luke twenty-two twenty-eight, Jesus said to his disciples, You are those who have remained throughout and persevered with me in my trials. There was an incredible spiritual opposition. Satan and all the demonic powers were trying to shut Jesus down. Satan didn't have, a, didn't have all the understanding of what was spiritually happening through Jesus, but he knew Jesus was a threat. The demons even knew he was the son of God, but they didn't understand the spiritual things that were happening and him being in this dark world and even uh, the things that they were doing to assault him. And they thought they were shutting his ministry down by using the religious leaders and using people. It's interesting, some of our biggest opponents as Christians are other Christians or people who should know better. But that's the way the enemy works. He works best in people who have a little bit of knowledge about God. But there's that war that was going on. But Jesus is even saying, you stayed in my testing. And we know the disciples were drawn in just like we're drawn in by the love of God. And there's something that we, we start changing and adapting. We start leaving things that are wrong to follow this Jesus. But it, at times it's not easy. At times it gets tough to follow Jesus. And I tell you, being honest with you, it's going to get tougher to serve Jesus in our society. You can already see it happening. But what's it going to be like in 20 years? 
What's it going to be like in 30 years when maybe the Antichrist is ready to come on the scene? What's it going to be like? It's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus left, but it hasn't been quite 2,000 years since he died and rose again. What if we have another 30 years to live as we are? We've got to strengthen ourselves. We've got to strengthen the next generation because they're going to face Antichrist. They're going to face persecution and possible martyrdom. I tell you, it's going to get harder and harder to serve the Lord. But if we don't decide that we're going to serve him now, what will the next generation in example have to follow the Lord? The temptations are too great. The opposition is too strong. The world, in its own way, has too much to offer. Technology, what will it be like next year if what it is now? Maybe they'll be putting out a new iPhone every two weeks. The distractions. And yet, there's a spiritual reality going on. Our life is ticking away. We don't have a guarantee for tomorrow, but the world and everything that goes around tells us life is going to go on. I'm going to live forever. And we have the opportunity to help people grab a hold of the spiritual reality that this world is passing away. And what are we investing in the next world? What are we investing in Jesus? What are we investing that's going to benefit our families now and the next generation? I think all of us want to be able to, when we breathe our last breath, know that those people around us, we did everything we could to help them come into a real personal relationship and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we warned them. We got in their faces sometimes, and we got rejected at times. Peter had, Peter had learned to follow Jesus. We know Peter's excitement and He's enthusiasm about following Jesus right there, even in the garden. He takes a sword out and he whacks off that high priest's ear. You're not going to touch my Jesus. But we also know from the word that there was something going on also in Peter's life, that there was more things that needed to be sifted, more things needed to be tested and shaken out of his life. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Listen, Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him out of the power and keeping of God that he might sift all of you like grain. Amplify puts the all in there because in the Greek, the meaning was not only has Satan desired to sift Peter, but Satan desired to sift all of the followers, all the disciples. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All will be tested. All will be tried. Because the enemy does not want you to develop your faith. He's happy if you're even just a, have a moderate attendance and you know, you, you know Jesus. But he is desperately scared if you get in there for your own and you work out your own salvation and you start asking God, how do I apply this? Holy Spirit, how do I know you as a person so I'm operating in the fullness of your power? I'm waiting, you guys. I'm waiting for you to get so big in your ministries and what God has that I can just watch the glory of God and watch the kingdom of God moving forward because you are taking advantage of your call in this hour to serve him and to know him, to walk in his higher ways, you know, sometimes we get distracted by other people. I'm telling you, put him first in your life. Some of you moms are, are worrying about everything else. Put Jesus first and he'll tell you what to focus on. Sometimes people have to just be let go their own way. 
They have to be like the prodigal to come to the end of themselves. But if you rise up and be strong, you men, if you be strong and you do it God's way, you don't know what kind of changes are going to come into your house, come around your, your, your friends and the, your circle of people that you're around in the world or your workmates. God wants to influence, but he can only influence to the degree his people are getting stronger in him. His people are learning to know how to walk in spiritual authority. I've been building. God wants to teach us how to walk in spiritual authority like never before. But if you don't have confidence to even enter the presence of God, you're not going to have confidence to draw on that authority. You don't have confidence to be who God wants you to be. Some of you are going to wrestle with things because you started going down avenues or you find yourself in the middle of something and you realize it's got a hold on me. It's tugging my soul in places that I cannot give my full focus to God. You might have to go through some wrestling asking the Holy Spirit to help you unload those distractions, unload different attitudes, unload different mindsets and emotions that are hindering you from following the Lord. It's a, it's a work that we all have to submit to. I don't know, but sifting sounds a little scary. And it's usually God's shaking you in a way and you see things about yourself. And I think sometimes when we see things as Christian, we again think, okay, now what am I going to do to get rid of this? All you have to do is, is confess it to the Lord. All you have to say is, God, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm dealing with. And this is a barrier. This is a block. Okay, I submit to you. I surrender to you. Obviously, again, you've got me in this place. I'm your follower. I'm your disciple. You have to remove this. You have to change this. You have to address the situation. And I'm looking to you to do it. Okay, I'm yours. And I tell you, you're going to see miracles. Because when you align yourself to God's will in your heart, and you talk that way to God, he changes things. And it might not be comfortable. It might be a little scary because you start losing control of what you think you have control of. But really, look at the people last week who had the tornado. Everything that they thought in their natural life got blown away. We live in a world that's so unstable. Even naturally, it's unstable. Again, God said he's shaking everything that could be shaken. Peter was sifted by Satan. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Jesus says to Peter, But I have prayed especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. Peter was sifted by Satan, but prayed through the sifting by Jesus. And that's the key that we have. In John 17, 9, Jesus said, I pray for them, the disciples. I am not praying for the world, but for those who have, you have given me, for they are yours. John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them, the disciples, out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. John 17, 22. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who be will believe in me through their message. We are evident of that twelve, those 12 apostles that got sent out. We are their sons and daughters. We are the fruit of that message that is so powerful and that cuts through every century and that cannot be snuffed out. Jesus is praying for us right now in your sifting, in your testing, in your trial, in your season where iron is going into your soul and you even wonder, why am I even in church today? Why, am I, why aren't I out trying to enjoy myself? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to draw you and he's, he sees you as a candidate 
for more of his presence and power. And so he's got you. He's got you in that place of testing and trial. He's got you where it seems like, oh, you're killing me. Yes, he's killing our flesh. When he sifts us, when he shakes us, he separates us from those things that take away God's presence and power, that take away the holiness. It says when Jesus comes, every eye will see him. It says in a twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. We all know our sinful old nature. We know our places that we can be tempted. But there is coming a moment when Jesus comes back. There's coming a moment in a second we are going to put off this body that can be tempted and tried. And in a moment, we will know what absolute freedom is from that kind of tempting and, and trial. But right now, we're in the work of sanctification in that process where God is continually working on those things. Why? Because he wants us to walk in the fullness of his authority and his power. Isn't it interesting that Peter went through what he went through you know, he betrays Jesus. He's there at the fire. You know, you could read that story and see all that's going on. And yet, we know Jesus didn't reject him. When he's done, you know, Jesus meets him at that fire. He restores him. And he just tells him, okay, now go feed my sheep. I mean, he didn't tell him, okay, now go do some penance. You know, he, it's almost like, get it out of your system. Okay, you rebelled. Okay, you, you, you betrayed me. Okay, now, it's done now. Okay, now I want you to go, go minister. And what a, what a thing Jesus was having to do, even for Peter, about getting rid of his conscience. Here Jesus went on and died. Jesus was rose from the dead. And now Jesus is back resurrected, and he's not beating him up about his failure. He's saying, okay, Peter, let's go on now. It's over. Your, your testing and trying is over. And we see Peter rise to this new place in the, in the church as an apostle. We see him rise up, and on the day of Pentecost, he is full of the Holy Spirit. He begins to speak out in acts of what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He begins to speak to the Jews. He begins to speak to the Gentiles about this powerful message of Jesus Christ. He begins to heal people and bring the message of the gospel to people. And he does no longer live and cower underneath the conscience of what he did in the past, but he's lifted to this new level. Why? Because he knew Jesus was praying for him. He knew Jesus took him through that sifting, and he knew he wasn't the same person in that garden or in that, that place where, where all the people were around, and he, and he, he turned Jesus in. He, he backed off. He betrayed him. And I tell you, there's places where we betray Jesus. There, there's places the enemy will hammer on us and hammer on us. It can't stick. It can't stick because the greater purpose that has begun in our life will go and have its way. God has determined that we will get to the other side. Like when we started this series a few, we, few months ago, God determined he's moving Israel out of the wilderness and he's moving him into the promised land. I tell you, Hillside is being moved from our own wildernesses and as a church in our wilderness, and he's moving us into the promised land. I probably should stop there. No, let me read one more section because I wanted to let you to see where Peter's transformation Obviously, Peter, who knows what it is to be a disciple who is tested and tried, who goes to the fire, he writes this. He writes probably in a greater way than any of the other writers in the New Testament about going through trials. This is 1 Peter 5, 8-10. And he's encouraging us believers in our trials. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith, 
knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. All of us, you guys, are facing the same trials. We face the same devil. We face the same opposition. E, you guys can come. But may the God of all grace, who called us into the eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you. Will you stand with me? We're opening the altars for prayer for the next, we have six minutes left. If you feel like you need further prayer, people will pray with you. If you just want to just come and pray, you can have time just to pray and no one will bother you. Lord, we just come to you right now and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we want to thank you right now for the trials that we go through and the trials that we're in. And God, we want to overcome and we want to live in victory and we want a full use of our faith. And we want you to speak to us more and more of those ways that are higher than our ways and higher than our thoughts. Lord, we want and we expect and believe that you are renewing our conscience so the past can really have its place in the past. And we will not be robbed and ripped off of our present life in you and the power we have in relationship and fellowship. And that we will have a new excitement about approaching you each day and having fellowship with you. And I pray for your incredible blessing and power over these awesome people. And I pray as they go out, you would protect their minds and their hearts. And I pray the word would go deep into their hearts and it would find a place to grow and bring forth fruit. And I pray for blessings over marriages, blessings over households, blessing over every person, single people and young adults. I pray for your blessing to descend upon every leader. I pray that you would move on leaders that you're raising up in our church that we don't even recognize yet, and you would cause them to grow strong in you. And we pray that you would give us the ability to see you route the strong man out of the places that are our inheritance, naturally and spiritually. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Search me, know me, and try.